My guest today on The Politics of Living is Gemma Whalen. She's the artistic director of Corib Theater in Portland, Oregon. She's a founding artistic director, and she's the director of the play Four Last Things, written by Lisa Tierney Keough. Tierney Keough won the Irish Times Electric Supply Board Irish Theater Awards in 2002, and Four Last Things was originally staged at the Dublin Fringe in 2009. The play is being held here in Portland, Oregon. It's currently in rehearsals, and it opens on February 1st and runs through February 24th. Welcome, Gemma, to The Politics of Living. Thank you, Vicki. Four Last Things, the play, is the story of an Irish woman named Jane who has dropped out of college, is living in rural, rural Ireland with her father and the family dog. She's struggling with depression. So much has been reported and studied about depression and mental health in recent times. What does this play present about depression that is different? Well, one of the, um, the Irish setting, of course, and the rural setting is, is very specific to Ireland. Um, however, I think it, um, just like all of our Carib plays, it reflects on issues that are front and center here in the United States. She comes from deep in the country in Ireland, deeply rural Ireland. It's actually three hours' drive from Dublin. It's quite far away, and she comes home every weekend, partly because there's this pull from her family that makes it really hard for her in Dublin, where she actually feels at home. I think, you know, Ireland is, is a country that has undergone huge social changes, uh, social cultural changes in the last few decades. Um, we've made amazing strides in terms of women's rights, choice, LGBTQ rights, and so on, and, you know, the exposition of abuses that have gone on for especially a lot of the, the, the um, 20th, 19th, 20th century, and people are being held accountable for those. But it feels to me like mental illness is one of those, it's like a last holdout, you know, there's still a stigma attached and a huge amount of basically ignorance and lack of information about advances that people have made. And I have found in, you know, looking at this play and working on it that the Irish mental health system is still, it's way back, it's like back in the dark ages. It's almost like a last holdout, right, in terms of a lack of understanding and a lack of growth in terms of people's awareness. I think, you know, the fact that it examines it from a rural perspective and in Ireland, like her father is, he knows the land, her mother as well. They know the land and they're entrenched and they also are entrenched to some extent in their old values and can't accept the fact that their daughter has mental health problems. And some of that also is just an inability to communicate. A lot of it is an inability to extend extend themselves to, you know, use language they're not used to using. They're uncomfortable. They're ashamed of her. Right, because it's probably it. seen as not not being strong or not being normal. Exactly. And there's a there's some wonderful, it's a very, by, by the way, beautifully written, very sensitive play, very poetical in many ways. You know, one of the things that Jane herself talks about is she, she, she reports, what she hears neighbors saying or even imagines they're saying. And one of the things, well, is, you know, what's wrong with her, basically? She's, um, you know, she's this beautiful young girl. She's got everything going for her, right? She's in school. She's, it sounds like she's probably in medical school, uh, from what we 
gather from the script. So she's, and she's clever. And she's in college. So they say things like, and she's a lovely, you know, she's a gorgeous young girl with everything going for her. What has she got to be so upset about? They think she's just upset about something. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And, so what, right. she couldn't possibly be unhappy. Yeah. How could she possibly be unhappy? What's wrong? They completely missed the point, of course, that, you know, there's an illness. And in this case, it's mitigated by factors which, you know, seem to me, like coming from Ireland, to be like very Irish in terms of rooted in this, you know, don't talk about the things that are really important. Talk about everything else, right? Because we're famous for being great talkers, the Irish are. Then when it comes down to talking about really intimate things or, or issues like this that are just hard... And, uh, and then, and then, of course, I realized that's not just the provenance of the Irish. Like, we don't have the exclusive dibs on inability to communicate. No, you certainly things. don't. You certainly don't. <laughs> I'm thinking of several yeah. cultures in, in my head as you're talking about this. Yes, yes, and also country, too. It's not like um, we're immune here by any means, and even parts that we think are liberal. There, and there are people who are very liberal-minded in all sorts of other areas, and they still quite, can't quite grasp this, you know, frontier somehow. You know, when I was, I had read this play for Last Things, and it was, you know, mulling around in my head. And then I started to read about, in terms of before I'd even chosen the season, and um, read about actually a big increase in suicide in this country. This is meaning the United States, right? It's one of the leading causes of death between of people between the ages of like 14 and 24. You know, young, basically young people, the same age as the the young woman. Yes, and that's very heartbreaking. And I'm glad you're mentioning this because my next question was, other than being Irish and understanding the culture and the mindset, what what drew you to this play? What was your, how did you get involved? I heard about the playwright, Lisa Tiernikio, initially in relation to her advocacy in Ireland for a group called Waking the Feminists. It was really a movement that was established in Ireland just a few years ago. It came about in response to our national theatre, the Abbey Theatre, announcing their season. And yet again, it was a season, like there were 10 plays, nine of them were written by men, and one of them written by a woman was actually based on a monologue by a man, by Sean O'Casey, and it was a, it was a play for children. So for some reason, that was the tipping point, because this has been going on for you know a century. The theatre was founded in the early 1900s. And it's our national theatre, so it's supposed to present national playwrights. And there had only been like a couple of women in all of those years, in 100 years. So very tokenism. Their hmm? Oh, pardon? Very, very tokenism. Indeed. Yes. Well, they, you know, they somehow they broke through, those women. But um, Marina Carr is one of them. She would probably be the one that's most well-known right now. But... Um, Apart from that, it, it, it didn't happen. So this movement started in protest, and it actually changed things radically. It changed the whole theater culture in Ireland and has started to change, you know, the gender balance, which was the whole point. It's still still going strong. But Lisa was one of the people, um, and I subsequently heard her say that she had did this so that younger women might have a chance. And interestingly enough, just mm, about a month and a half ago, the Abbey announced their coming up season and she her play was actually one of her plays is actually being performed in the abbey theater next season now it's been it has the 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 balance has shifted for the last few seasons they have 
a committee that looks at gender equity and I think equity in general. And it's happened it's happened throughout Ireland. Now Ireland is a very small country. And of course we you know, we have the same movement here and then, you know, outgrowth of Me Too and so on, where there have been shifts. But I, I, I think looking at what happened in Ireland as a you know, sort of an experiment because it's a much smaller smaller population, it's amazing. To me it's amazing that these changes can happen and um, you really see the impact of it. So I read, um, I wrote to Lisa, I, I was, you know, found her email and asked her that I'd like to read some for work and she sent me this play. So I, you know, just was really affected by the play. And then as I mentioned to you before, some of the other factors that, you know, in our present history, um, the last few years with the big divide in our country, it has also caused a lot more tension and depression, actually, in the population. So that's what made me feel like this is the time to do this play. Okay. I also love, the other thing I loved about the play is that there's a dog in the play. There's a talking dog. I think that's fabulous. Indeed. And uh, <laughs> what does he represent? So the dog is, uh, the dog's name is Bob. And um, I actually have cast a woman in the role. So it's played by, we're still, he's still he, he's still Bob, but played by Jacqueline Maddox, wonderful local actress. And so Bob is really Jane's dog. Jane is the, you know, the young, the young woman, the college student, a dog that she found, you know, in the ditch and sort of became her dog, even though, you know, ostensibly he's the farmer and he's keep, but um, mm -hmm. he's really Jane's dog. The dog feels, intuits what is going on with Jane, knows there's something wrong, there's something off kilter, smells the fear coming from the humans, and actually even the other animals on the farm are unsettled. There's an unsettled feeling. But of course, can't speak, right? So it's, it's ironic, is this animal, and you know, we all know how intuitive animals can be and how comforting they can be to people, to us, yes. when we need them. And um, uh, so the Bob, Bob articulates all of these feelings and would do anything, um, really sort of sees himself as a parent to Jane. And if only he could speak, would be able to give her some of the solace that she needs, some of the community, because she craves communication. She craves, she wants someone to talk to her, but people are only, they're talking about her. They're talking around her. And um, her own father, who is the other character in the play, Brendan, he's definitely a very kind and thoughtful and feeling person. And he has all of these thoughts, but they're locked inside of him. He can't speak them. He can't bring himself to speak even the most basic things in terms of communicating with his daughter. So he somewhere along the way, he used to communicate very well with her when she was young, when she was a little kid. You know, presumably with onset of puberty, and she, he he lost that ability, as I think is not is not uncommon. People are you know they're more awkward, and he is the one actually that if he could talk, like if he would just open his mouth and formulate these words, he could at least help her. You know, he's not going to solve all of her problems instantly by communicating, but she craves this. They're very they're very strongly connected. She and her father, so there's definitely a bond between them. But he's inarticulate. He can't, he just can't get the words out, you know, and he's, he spent a lot of his time on his own or not, or at least, you know, they have a son as well and he's married, there's a wife. Ironically, the mother 
talks all the time, nonstop. But <laughs> not about anything important, right? She's referred to quite a bit by the others. So she's a huge talker, but she doesn't listen. You know, a lot of it is about... Is about or it's not a deep conversation with her, yeah. It's not a deep conversation. She's afraid of the deep conversation. She's afraid because she wouldn't know how to handle the information. If she ever asked Jane, what are you feeling? Nobody asks her that question. Which is, I think, I think what gets back to what you said earlier about people are uncomfortable with that conversation. The Irish are great talkers. No one's having that conversation because it's uncomfortable, it's intimate, it's scary. It's scary, exactly. And, you know, we've had so-called mental hospitals in Ireland for a long time, and it was a, I mean, it was a place to put people where you didn't understand what was wrong with them. That happened um, over here, too, yes. Yeah, uh, you know, including, like, women when they hit menopause, right? Some women oh, yeah. when they hit menopause and mm -hmm. start to have problems. Right. And it's like, well, what's wrong? Did they just go mad or something? Yeah, look, why don't we lock them up? So, yes, I know, it's, it's, it's rampant. Um, and, of course, you know, we know the human brain is very complicated. And it, but the thing about today is there's so much research that has been done. We have, we've, of course, we, you know, we still don't, there's so much we don't understand and maybe never will. But there has been a massive amount of research and advances. And we know so much more about its possibilities and how, you know, pliant and resilient it can be and how, how much change we all can make. Um, regardless of, of age or where we are or of our backgrounds and what we suffered or trauma. The sad thing is we're here we are. It's like 2019, and we have this research, but why hasn't it... People don't know about it or are afraid to find out about it or it hasn't been disseminated amongst the general population. So then we often have these situations that sadly can end in tragedy that are avoidable you know, are potentially avoidable. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to make it seem like it's, there's no easy solution, and every every case is going to be different. You know, it's not black and white. More education and increasing the ability to actually, I mean, that's my hope with doing with the, you know, with the play, is that people will see the play, and it's like, I need to open my mouth, I need to reach out. If I just extended myself this little bit more, like, might it make a difference in this situation? I do think um, that, most people um, really, when they're reaching out for something, they want someone to acknowledge their pain. They want someone to say, I see you, I see your pain, I see why you're feeling that way. I really do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we all have a need to be seen, you know, and recognized for who we are. And when someone is so deeply submerged and in such pain, there's a, there's a need, there's a craving, and this is certainly true of the character in our play, Jane. You know, she, and, and, and partly because, she's a young, she's very young, you know, too, and, um, and then partly because of what's going on in her brain, and um, her needs are not being met in her immediate family and in society, and um, she, she at several times says, I just, I want to feel that I'm worth something. You know, that, I, that a life is worth something, that I can see possibility, um, that there's hope for the future. And, and I think an acknowledgement of that, she, you know, has lines like, why don't they speak to me? 
why don't they ask me why am I still here? You know, mm-hmm. why am I not going back to Dublin? They don't even ask that, even though, you know, the play begins with her having spent a week in a mental institution in Dublin. But she comes home. She and spends, no one talks she about home. it. No one talks about it. And she, and, and she clearly, you know, th- this is not a play that, like, mapped out every single second, right? Mm-hmm. But it seems pretty clear. It's pretty easy to um, deduce that she was sent home with no supports. Uh, she seems to have pills. But she has, there's no therapy, there's no, you know, there's no professional support. And clearly the family is not equipped to deal with or offer, extend the support that's needed. So she has a brother and mother and a father who won't talk to her about anything meaningful. And then her dog who knows actually what needs to be done and knows that she needs this sort of nurturing and acknowledgement and, of course, is limited by limited by the fact that he can't talk he can't use human language so the title of the play is four last things mm-hmm. what are the four last things or do they differ from person to person it's really interesting that um the play you know the play itself never actually refers to the four last things the four last things are actually, they're part of like a religious doctrine where referring to the four last stages of the soul. But they are death, judgment, heaven, and hell. You know, that said, there is almost no reference to religion in the play at all. Um, they go to Mass. The Catholic, the, the family, at least, you know, the father and mother and brother, well, no, probably not the brother. Father and mother go to Mass on Sunday. So, you know, there's a fleeting reference, but there's no, it's not like this is infused with religion or religious thought or anything. And in fact, it's, you know, considering, considering the topic of the play and what it's about, um, there isn't any sense of looking to religion for solace or, or, or guidance or anything. However, there's, you know, the, I think it's more, it's, it's more in a broader sense of, Basically, taking a reckoning is looking at your life and, you know, what it adds up to, trying to decide if it, if it you know, what its meaning is and purpose and so on. There's, a, you know, there are themes of that, like running through the show, and especially with Jane, as she gets more and more into herself, trying to sum up what it is that she is going through, what she feels, and, you know, why she's taking the course that she's taking. So there are some audience enrichment events around the play that will be happening through the course of the run, and the run, of course, from the pl- of the play is February 1st through the 24th at the New Expressive Works at 810 Southeast Belmont Street. And would you like mm-hmm. to add some information about these enrichment events and the play itself? The play runs, you know, Thursday through Saturday and we have a Sunday matinee, and we have actually a lot of events set up, a lot more than we ever had in the past for this particular play, and that's partly because I felt support was needed around the play. One of the organizations I was working with was NAMI, National Association, Mental Health, basically, it's the National, national The National health. Alliance on Mental Illness, yes. There you go, thank you. NAMI has been, the local um, branch here has been really supportive. When I asked them to, you know, I guess you could say partner with us in terms of spreading the word 
you know, to people who might need to see this play, but also if they as an organization could help, of course, with materials and any other kind of support. And they ended up, we're going to, we will have materials in the lobby. And for almost every single performance, we will have somebody at a table. So somebody who is connected with NAMI, who is there to answer questions, who's there to give support to anybody, whether it's audience, audience member, who might need more information or might need to know who do I go to if I need help. And then we're having a couple of, we have two talkbacks that we have specifically said are sponsored by NAMI. We have also lots of other talkbacks. And since we will have people associated with NAMI there anyway, they will, you know, are free to participate. So that's one of the big, one of our big partners. We're having an event for the Oregon Humane Society. To me, that's an important part of the conversation is how important animals are and how much support actually they give people. The playwright is coming over from Ireland. We're really thrilled she's going to be here for the second weekend of the show. We have a special event on the evening of Sunday, February 10th at 7 p.m. in the theatre space. And Lisa Tiernikio will be there, and Jane Vogel, who is the founder of AGE, which is an organization that promotes gender equity here, right here in Portland. Also, Sarah Jane Hardy of Northwest Children's Theater. She's on the panel, and, and I'll be on the panel as well. And Sarah Jane actually gave me Lisa's number. She introduced me by email. We have these, um, it'll be, it's called Waking the Feminist, was their, you know, the name of the a movement, movement that I yes. mentioned in Ireland. That will be, it'll, it'll really be an, a conversation with Lisa leading the conversation, but with all of us talking and then followed by a reception. I'm hoping lots of people will, you know, take the opportunity to come to see the play and then, if possible, come to the Waking the Feminist one, too, because I think it could be, well, it's, you know, we need, we need that sort of help, too. So it's something we continue to work on here. Um, in the United States and in Portland specifically in terms of equity and inclusion. I love the fact that you are looping in the National Alliance for Mental Illness as a support for this and also the Humane Society for the for the animal piece. I mean, that's mm-hmm. lovely. That's lovely. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Um, yeah, I thought it was, it was important. And then there's another um, event that I've set up, a talkback, where... I happen to have several artist friends who went on and trained recently as therapists, actually. So they're, you know, I'm interested in this, in the connection between, you know, the arts and, of course, we know the arts are therapeutic. They're not therapy, but they're therapeutic. And, um, you know, you can, for example, and here's probably why a lot of us do it. We hope, we hope some change will happen, you know, as a result of um, the plays that we choose. And um, <clears throat> depending on the play, can be, you know, even even seeing a play that makes people happy and laugh, that, that of course, can be very cathartic. But if it's, you know, if there's social issues um, at the core of it. I have a panel with, um, with several of therapists slash artists, as I call them, to get, you know, to get that perspective. And also, you know, I- into the conversation, I know there'll be, because there are differences in how mental illness manifests in, in men and women. So that's gendered also. And looking forward to get professionals talking about that on our panels. 